This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. Um, but my pain is, is that we have a calling yeah. to help people. And yeah. um, it's getting really cold here. Yeah. And uh, yeah. this next week it's supposed to snow. And now we've displaced people without having a plan. Yeah. And we have religious institutions that mm-hmm. have money, like you just yep. mentioned. Oh, yeah. And space. And the pain is, is that we have lost our purpose. Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Today's essential question is, what obligation do religious communities have in fighting injustice, especially in 2020, with the presidential elections around the corner? I added that last part. Our guest today is Dana Coggin, environmental advocate, community connector, youth advocate, and minister. And you are local to Tacoma. I am, yes. Okay, excellent. We'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, Last January, we had Erin Jones on the show to discuss her take on evangel... Hope, help, your... Evangelicalism. (laughs) Evangelicalism and (laughs) politics. Today, we're excited to invite Dana Coggin on our show to have a similar conversation, but casting a wider net for understanding faith and spirituality. So welcome. Well, thank you. Yeah. I do want uh, to why don't you, you just start, a yeah, little by, bit. Oh, go ahead. Um, I'm a minister light, so I have not gone to divinity school, so I want to be really clear on that. But I have had a lot of training, and I've actually gone through the Center for Spiritual Living's training to be um, an associate kind of minister through that. Cool. That's awesome. I am also a sort of minister. I got my credentialing on the internet. I have that also. Nice. Yeah, druidism. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, nice. Mm-hmm. Mine's not as fancy as yours, but I, um, <laughs> yeah, I can do weddings and funerals, and so, you know, hit me up. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't do that. Uh, At well, Annie Jansen. <laughs> our first question we have for you today is, where are you from, and how did you land in Tacoma? And those those might overlap. So They do overlap maybe a little bit. So I'm yeah. originally from a really small town outside of Portland called Malala. Okay. Um, so not to be confused with Olala. Or Val- mm. Valhalla. Or Valhalla, correct, yeah. yeah. So um, little town outside of the Portland area and um, kind of made my way here via Colorado. I went to Colorado for college, and um, I have a degree in natural resource management, and I have a master's degree in weed science and plant pathology. What? That's awesome. Yeah, fantastic and then made my way back here because there are only a handful of us that actually do this kind of work and yeah. so I started working at the Department of Agriculture cool down in Olympia and landed in Tacoma just because it's a super sweet town um, really kind of fell in love with the city itself and just became really rooted in community um, I think I moved here I think I figured out it was about 15 years ago nice so, that's awesome yeah. Tacoma's rad it is. Well, we're, we're really happy to have you in Tacoma. Oh, thank you. So uh, you and I started to have a conversation a little bit on Facebook. I think that's kind of the impetus for the discussion. Plus, um, it just felt kind of right with all of what's going on um, right now in the cur- current conversation um, in the U.S. around politics and religion and just the overlap there. Um, so I wanted to dig in by asking you, I mean, what do you think it means to be a spiritual person in 2020? Or, like, is that any different than being a religious person or a person of faith? Like, what do you think about those terms? 
Yeah, so um, I guess I refer to myself as culturally Christian, but mm. spiritually aware. Um, I was raised in the church, so my dad is actually is actually a Methodist minister, and mm. we come from a long line of Methodist ministers. Mm. Um, the joke in our family is is that nobody else would be a minister, so the gay one had to be, so it was me. <laughs> um, I got to be the black sheep in multiple ways, or I guess we call it the rainbow sheep in our family. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, That's awesome. So how did how do I think spirituality really kind of falls into alignment right now? Um, I think I'm one of those people that definitely struggled with religion a Mm. lot um, growing up, being a a pastor's kid, but having a mother who was much more spiritual than anything else Mm. really shaped that process for me. we all say we have our addictions, and I think mm. our family's addiction was addiction to Jesus, which, mm. you know, is one of those things that's an interesting one to kind of grapple with because mm. there are good things about it, and there are things that definitely, um, for me as being a queer person, mm. made it very difficult. Um, I went away to college and became uber religious for a while because mm. why not? Um, I actually became part of the Holy Roller movement for quite a while. And that shaped how I started viewing things in college and also even, oddly, how I got involved politically in college. Mm. Um, I ended up getting involved in both an extreme religious group, but also along with that became um, the political side of things during Mm. school. And as that kind of has transitioned as I'm an adult, it's interesting to really see where religion and spirituality cross mm-hmm. and where religion is very different than spirituality yeah, and right. how each of those things play such a vital role in how we do connect as a society mm-hmm. and as a society, you know, spirituality, religion and government are all so intertwined. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I answered that question. Yeah, no, very well. Um, yes. Go ahead, Eddie. No, you, you're good. Oh, I was just going to say, so then if you were to, like, define it for somebody, in your mind, religion or is more what versus spirituality is more what? Right. So in my mind, I really look at religion as the dogmatic kind of structural mm. process of it. So it's it's a rules and regulations, basically, mm. um, of, uh, of the spiritual context. So religion, to me, is something that you do because you're following a set step process. Mm -hmm. And for me, spirituality is something we're called to because Mm -hmm. it's innate in who we are. And so I, again, refer to myself as a spiritual person, but because I was raised in a Christian household, I'm culturally Christian. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. culturally Lutheran, um, yeah. <laughs> which fall, is a subcategory of culturally Christian. It but is, for I sure. Definitely, my spirituality has evolved a lot over time, but I still have this sort of... Uh, I went back to my childhood church because of, for planning a funeral, and I was talking to my childhood pastor who is who is still in this church, and this small church in a small town, and um, just talking to him, I realized how much we have in common like philosophically mm-hmm. and like morally and ethically and I was mm-hmm. like oh I see what you did I see what you did there <laughs> I see I see how you got me um, he planted all these seeds when I was like you know eight nine ten about social justice and about helping people and about like being a good person and what that means oh, okay and some of it of course was from my parents but I there's a really specific kind of church-based um, set schema I guess set of values that he if for Lutherans, it's uh, even more. It's a I don't know. It's that subcategory of Lutherans, right? And and 
Missouri Synod Lutherans, right? Which is a different thing. So yeah. Anyway, the Lutes are pretty awesome. Yeah, so. they are. Yeah, <laughs> good people. Um, yeah, a, li- a very liberal church within the Missouri Synod, which mm-hmm. was interesting. Uh, interesting place to be as a kid. But Hope, what do you have? Do you have a what? Yeah, a follow-up question. I was just thinking about when you say culturally Christian, like what's a practice that in your life now that you feel like is part of your culture, culturally Christian heritage? And then also um, what would be a practice that you would say is more spiritual, not necessarily culturally Christian? Yeah, so I think definitely culturally Christian for me is going to church on Sundays, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So that to me is a cultural aspect of of my upbringing and the culture that I was raised in is that you go to church on Sundays, mm-hmm. um, you pray before a meal, you have lots of meals, mm. um, casseroles. Yeah. yeah. Casseroles, I think, are a pretty big <laughs> cultural yeah. thing. Burnt coffee and powdered creamer. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like that's yeah. not very Portland of you, though, to have casseroles. <laughs> more like, well, the coffee's like, Stumptown, uh, but you still have to have the powdered creamer. <laughs> like, I don't know, something like, um, I can't even, I'm not even, it's so late here in Abu Dhabi that like, I can't even think of a good witty reply, but like something about like vegetables and like yeah. Yeah, Hummus well, I mean, we were transplants, so my family's mm. from North Dakota. Oh, okay. So every once in a while you'll hear it come it through. I'm a North Dakotan yeah. a little bit back there. Um, but, yeah, so the casseroles and the really bad coffee, that all yeah. came with us. That was also maybe cultural. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Lutherans had us, and there was a lot um, really interesting immigration patterns from the Midwest to the West Coast, especially like Western Washington and Western Oregon. Um, and my so my family had kind of a similar migration pattern, but it was um, my dad from Michigan. And yeah, and I mean, part of, you know, the the culture, the religious and culture of place of food mm-hmm. and how it's attached to religion, Methodism and Lutheranism and kind of the those um, religions that came with people when they moved west. So, yeah, it's 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 powerful. I mean, like think about like any kind of potato casserole. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Although I think the Mormons have perfected the potato-based casseroles. That's my hypothesis. But I mean, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to cause any controversy here. So, well, I think we could actually have like a religious taste test oh, yeah. and actually <laughs> see if other folks yeah. would bring in their casseroles. And this, I mean, yeah, I think oh, it'd be Lord fantastic. Extension. Yeah. Well, and you know, the Mormons use a lot of fried potatoes in their casseroles, mm, whereas same. other like Lutherans are a little bit, they're a little bit more uh, conservative. About the type of potato they use, they're like maybe would boil, blanch the potato first, and then oh, no. put it in the casserole. But no, I mean, t- the first time I had tater tot casserole was at a Mormon dance. So oh, oh, yeah. Mormon dance! What? Look at you go there. Yeah, <laughs> only, I only went to one, but one was enough. But it had, it had tater tots. This in is it. spiraling I mean, out of it, control yeah. in a good way. In a good way. Yeah, yeah. So in a I very th- good way. I think um, the other side of that question. Other than casseroles, which could be a religious experience also. Uh, absolutely. Right? should be. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, I think the spiritual side of me is really where I dig into the idea of um, immersing myself in nature. Mm-hmm. And really just like um, there's actually a theory called bathing in nature where you just go out mm-hmm. and you literally take your shoes off and you connect with the land. And you just let the entire universe kind of fill your entire space, right? And I think... Um, when I think about spirituality, for me, mm-hmm. that's the connectivity of everything, yeah. and it is that whole idea that religion is the practice and spirituality is that calling. And I'm, mm-hmm. I am called to be a person who is involved in community and raising people up, no matter what their religious background. Yeah, um, I'm a really big advocate for saying 
um, you don't have to believe in any one religion to be a good person. Yeah. And mm. I think that's maybe the difference. For for me, when I was raised in religion, religion mm. said you either have to follow our dogma yeah. or you can't really go the path with us. Mm-hmm. And for me in my spiritual journey, I think just the opposite of that, like inherently we are all good beings and mm-hmm. good creatures and we all have an inherent value mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I don't have to follow one path to be valued, yeah. but my value mm-hmm. is actually just inherently within me. Yeah. And that brings us all together and all up. Um, and then sometimes I get a little spiritually woo-woo. You know, yeah. I got some, got some crystals and stuff around yeah. the house just in case. You know, it just yeah. kind of at the door, just in case you need to double check on things. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's also that mysterious piece of spirituality, which is also magic. Mm. Yeah. And I love mm. that side. And of kind it of the too. unknown. Yeah. What's your favorite place in nature to go feel, feel attuned? I have. I can. I'm picturing a place for myself. And I'm wondering if you have a place that you've been that you're like, I stand in this one location. and I'm like, yes. Do you have that place? I do. It's up on the San Juan Islands, actually. Mm. Um, oddly enough, it's fairly close to the ferry terminal. Okay. Um, oh, we're going to pick the same place, I think. Go ahead. <laughs> Maybe. So there's a little walk that, like, you can park your car at the ferry terminal and kind of walk over um, to the, the cliffside. Okay. And there's this beautiful cliffside. And for me, it held, has held a really special mm. space because, like, it was one of the first, like, major adult trips I took as yeah. uh, a resident here of Washington. And I remember walking out on this cliff, and, and I'm sure that I'm over-dramatizing it in my mind, but this is exactly how it happened, was that I was on the edge of the cliff, yeah. and these two eagles flew up in front of me and just, yeah. like, wow. breezed me. And I could literally feel the the wind from their wings, and you can start singing the song now. But yeah. um, <laughs> but it was just this, like, epic moment that I realized right. that literally everything is connected, and yeah. it grounded me in a way that was just beyond anything I could believe. That's awesome. Mine, actually, it's not the same, although it's similar um, location. I was There's a mountain outside of Anacortes called Mount Erie, Erie. Yeah. and you can you can hike to the top. But you can also drive to the top. <laughs> and if you, when you get to the top, the views, it's like a 360-degree view of the San Juan Islands, the Cascade Mountains. You can see the Skagit Valley and the Skagit River. And on a clear day, it's that kind of sound that's sound, soundless when you are high, at a high enough elevation where there's not just that kind of noise of traffic. There's not that noise of, like, electronics. There's not that noise of any. You're kind of just at the right elevation that it's just a very peaceful, quiet Mm-hmm. Sound and there's sort of a breeze coming up the mountain, and on good day, on clear days, you get you know the sun on your face, and just the, being able to see in every direction is really incredible. But um, yeah, hope do you have a place like that? Uh, I was just trying to picture like a specific. I don't have a specific one that um, like you two were mentioning, but. I guess back in Washington, right, like every time I look out at Rainier um, or when the mountain is out, as we like to say. Um, <laughs> There's a Twitter just, account called it always Is reminds the Mountain me Out. That. That's really great. It's called what? Is the Mountain Out. It's a Twitter oh. account. And then they update it every day if the mountain's out. It's not today. It's not today. It's aw. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that. Um, for me now, like we have a lot of green spaces in um, the city of Abu Dhabi. There's a big value around um, like parks and whatnot, but we are right on the course, um, on the on the coast, so the Corniche, and so um, we have this beautiful view looking out from our balcony that's just 
um, essentially uh, the Arabian Gulf or what in the States is called the Persian Gulf, um, basically that area and just the beach area. And so that for me, that's kind of been um, that the chance to connect, even though it's like in the middle of the city, it's still really, really beautiful. And I think mm. it's a way to get in tune. Nice. Yeah. Um, Dana, I was going to ask you, you had mentioned uh, in a conversation we were having online, um, just this notion that like growing up the way that you did, it both um, shaped you in a positive way, but then also there are elements that kind of scared you a little bit. Um, And I don't know if you're willing to talk a bit more about that and just some places that you've wrestled with over the years. Um, And then, of course, we'll, we'll tie that into the current political climate. But I was curious if you'd start with that for us. Sure, you bet. Um, So as I mentioned, my dad was a minister, but Mm. oddly enough, um, I didn't grow up a lot with my dad. My parents actually got separated when I was pretty young. Mm. Um, And so that kind of sets us up for this idea that I always say that my dad was a minister, but my mom was the more pious one out of the two. Mm. Um, Mm. She really leaned into religion to um, help find a base for her as -hmm. she was trying to raise four kids Mm. on her own. I think a lot of the things that I struggled with was the reality that the value set that I was given as a young person was fantastic. Mm. Um, We learned to care for each other Mm -hmm. um, and we learned to really reach outside of our norm and bring people into community. It was a really small town, Mm. so literally like I could stand at the end of my uh, doorstep and look down one direction and see the one flashing light we had on one end of town and look on the other sun side of the street and look down and see the other flashing light. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a small, tight-knit community. And within that, there were uh, moments of feeling completely held by community. And then mm-hmm. as I started to come out um, and realize who I was, there was also this moment of like extreme reality that who I was was not accepted by mm-hmm. that community. And this really like hard moment of saying, I believe in the quote unquote value structure, which is loving everybody and and helping everybody and supporting everyone. And then saw that something just the opposite was actually being mm-hmm. done to me. Yeah, um, right. I was being oppressed. I was being told who I was wasn't okay. And so much so that there were moments where there were gaps in conversations where it would be like that that odd moment of mm. you could almost hear someone saying, well, God, you know, she's a sinner. <laughs> and yeah. um, especially as I've come back as an adult to that community, it's really interesting when I do go back to my home mm. church and watching people. And I, I remember the very first time I went back and I took a significant other with me. Mm. And I will tell you, the church didn't burn down, but I was fairly certain it was going to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> And it was an interesting space to realize that this community who had been so loving and cared mm. for me when we needed shelter, when we needed food, when we needed to have community, mm-hmm. um, pivoted in this way that just because of my choosing to be, or not choosing, my being. Affirming yourself. Yeah. Right? I didn't choose. And that's, and right there, right? Like, that's a little hiccup of that, like, tie back. Mm -hmm. Like, I was always told that, like, who you were as a queer person is a choice. Mm -hmm. And it took a long time for me to get to this point that it's, 
I mean, I choose to live my life out loud. Mm -hmm. That is my choice. But it's not a choice to be a quote-unquote sinner. Mm -hmm. It is my choice to actually live in the fullness of what I believe the Spirit has created me to be. Mm -hmm. So um, did that get back to kind of where we had gone on conversation Mm -hmm. a little bit? And, yeah, and I, I think, think so. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because, again, I grew up in a community, and, and let's just call it for what it is, if you know the history of Oregon. Oregon mm-hmm. was <laughs> actually settled by yeah. white supremacists for the most <laughs> yeah, part. Yeah, like, in my mind, I was like, let's, white supremacists? But yep, then I thought, white, oh, I don't yep. want to get this quiz wrong. Yeah, no, that's that. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And um, so it also has this really interesting cultural context out there because, again, you know, it was a whole bunch of white people Mm -hmm. until midsummer because we were also a farming community. And so we'd have the migrant families move in. And it was really interesting watching that transition over the last, like, 15 years Mm -hmm. of acceptance and yet um, that that weird space of this small town still like trying to hold on to its cultural whiteness Mm -hmm. and 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 that could be a whole nother like that that for me is like months worth of un unfurrowing and digging through all that book about that yeah Yeah. right i grew up in a small town too at one stoplight type of town and you know the it's changed a lot because the suburbs have kind of grown up around it but yeah, it's just like you think about, I don't know the um, the the diversification in our of that neighborhood that I grew up in. I was probably in about you know tenth grade when um, I mean I'm a little younger than that, but th- there was a just it felt like overnight um, the neighborhood became more diverse, and there were some people who were like, "This is awesome, right? This is great," because we had our one of our neighbors down the street. Um, were uh, Indian American, East Indian, um, and owned a Indian restaurant. And my dad befriended the dad, the the dad who had daughter who was about my age, um, because he their neighbor he might he was really neighborly and he would just he just wanted to meet the guy and he'd take the dog for a walk and then chat in his yard and you know it's kind of like solve all the world's problems over a couple of beers. But it was <laughs> you know for, for other folks in the neighborhood it was trauma it was traumatizing. Mm-hmm. It was like this is our neighborhood is changing and we don't like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's um kind of the like you were saying, it makes me picture like acceptance resistance, acceptance resistance, right. acceptance resistance. And it's it's both, right? At it's the same a dance. Time. Yeah. Interesting. Which which by Did the way, you... I say it's a dance and um so the the religion that I predominantly was raised in is is the Nazarene Church? Oh yeah, and so if you've ever watched, I did, I did watched... Bible quizzing with the Nazarene hey, Church when yeah. I was in middle school. So you're fast to get up off the seat when somebody says, oh, yeah. John three sixteen. Uh-huh. What is that? Okay, yeah, go. exactly. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it was my fitness plan as a kid. Nice was quiz team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bible quizzing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. made a lot of friends. So, Lots yeah. of friends. So many yes. friends. <laughs> Hope One of the things say. that always gets me riled up is like how people use um, religion and particularly Bible and because I grew up um, or am, am, I still identify as Christian uh, today, but like using that to justify white supremacy or white supremacist beliefs. Mm. Did you see that much in Portland with that overlap there or um, where do you see that today, do you think? You know, I definitely see that more today than I ever did growing up. And I, that might also just be my awareness Mm-hmm. Right. So as yeah, I've grown true. and I've been able to like look at things from a, a very different perspective, um, I see that a lot more today in ways that are extremely disturbing for religion. Mm. 
there is this whole idea, and I, I don't honestly know where it came from. And again, maybe I was just naive growing up, but I never, I never felt that there was this idea of whiteness being part of our core value mm. system as a religious person. But again, I go back to historically what that community was, well, at least mm -hmm. the state of Oregon was was founded on. Mm -hmm. And it's subversively right. in there, whether we talk about it or not. Um, mm -hmm. And I do think that, again, it's that resistance piece to me that I first noticed probably in high school when I started wondering why we had, you know, separate classes for, you know, English as a second language when I knew a bunch of the English as second language kids actually spoke better English than I did. Mm -hmm. right. It's like, why are we uh, not integrating classes better? Mm -hmm. um, and what was that kind of process? Um, and then there was, you know, I think as I look at things right now, I'm honestly, I'm appalled mm -hmm. at watching how religious institutions are allowing the idea of fear and hate mm -hmm. and anger yeah. against the other mm -hmm. to be perpetuated in a way that rather than looking at what I think are or should be the, the values that were given to us mm -hmm. in the pews, which is love everyone, accept yeah. mm -hmm. everyone. I don't know how that became this like fervent, you know, we ha can only accept the people who look like us, who mm -hmm. right. worship like us and who are going to live exactly like us. Yeah. But it's I, I feel like it's gotten worse in the last yeah. 10 to 15 years. And again, it's also one of those things of once you start looking for those things, you're going to see them more. Mm. Right. And I think yeah. I've started looking for those pieces where the alignment of my spirit just doesn't align with the tenor of what's coming out of the pulpit, mm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the great news is, is that there's also plenty of congregations that are just the opposite, right? Yeah. We've got a... Yeah. A fantastic amount of congregations here in Tacoma mm -hmm. that literally they do just preach love. Yeah. And um, Pastor Dave Brown is actually one of my favorites. And I love just going and sitting with Dave and listening to his his um, research into and not just research into his living of mm -hmm. the values of spirituality and yeah. Christianity in a way that. I would love to say that I'm a Christian, but in my mind, to be a Christian, I have to believe that Christ is the only way, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, I, I can't believe that. Mm. Um, yeah. I believe that there are all these other options. But again, it's that one and only concept. And so I do see this one and only from like the white supremacy side, like owning Christianity because right. they – it is the one and only. Like there's something definitive about mm -hmm. Christianity that they can just grab onto and hold onto. And then there are also biblical scriptures that actually talk about giving man dominion over mm -hmm. things. And I think the white supremacists really grab onto that and say, well, look, the Bible can justify yeah. my hate and my um, being an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well said, yeah. well said. Well, it's funny for me here being like closer oh. than I've ever lived um, mm. to like where the Abrahamic faith started and just really, I mean, it's really bringing home a lot of things that I've read or talked to other folks about, about just um, just the nature of Islam and Christianity and mm -hmm. Judaism and just some of the uh, quite a bit of overlap. Um, in those faiths and the way that they started, obviously, but also like a lot of the belief systems um, are much more in common than I think 
sometimes in the West or in the U.S. we talk about it. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Because of, like you said, the fear of the other, just the co-opting of white supremacist ideology and, like, merging that with religion mm-hmm. um, and Christianity in particular. Uh, you mentioned a couple other places of worship in Tacoma that you were feeling like are doing really good work. Do you want to give them any shout outs or like mention those folks for, for people that are interested? Oh, man, the list would be pretty long, actually. That's the great thing about Tacoma is that um, every congregation that I've walked into, I actually feel extremely accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had anybody try to convert me yet, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think that uh, that's one of the interesting pieces for me um, is that and actually this conversation just came up just a couple of days ago about the reality of religion is mm-hmm. is that we want to try to get everybody to share what we believe and follow what mm-hmm. we believe mm-hmm. whereas for me the idea of spirituality is is that we want to accept everybody for what they mm-hmm. believe and be honorable of that space so you know we've got Emmanuel here in in Tacoma which mm-hmm. is fantastic yeah. um, we've got the Center for Spiritual Living which is the the spiritual home that I claim to to go to as much as possible sorry i haven't been the last few weeks um <laughs> and good thing they're not calling you up or anything <laughs> right. and then there's the tahoma unitarian universalist mm-hmm. congregation mm-hmm. which i love them there's also a unity congregation here in tacoma mm. um gosh there was another oh what is this one it's it's over on sixth avenue and i can't remember its name off the top of my head mm. but there's a couple of other really good ones the lutheran churches that i've gone to here have been mm-hmm. fantastic um you know it's interesting to me that the what i refer to as like the older stalwart churches mm-hmm. in the area um are oddly the most accepting it is an interesting piece to me that it's really these newer mega churches mm-hmm. that are the ones that I feel extremely uncomfortable in. Yeah. But the older churches, I can walk into any of them and literally it's just like grandma is welcoming me home and she's like, hey, I got yeah. the casserole downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I think so that yeah. might be the title of this episode. <laughs> casserole. Potato casserole. Potato casserole. But yeah. I think that, you know, again, there, I, I can't recall all the names. I should have actually done my homework and printed off mm-hmm. the ones that I've gone to. But um I, I do – there's a, also a lot of really interesting uh, connectivity groups here in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. There's um, – what is it? There's a think and drink group that actually gets together and talks about theology. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Theology on Tap. Nice. So Theology <laughs> on Tap. So we actually drink beer and talk about theology. Nice. And then um, – it just gives a really great space for people to find connectivity. Yeah. Um, I think there's one interesting thing about us as humans is that we just want to connect, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And in all of the research that I've done, no matter what, we are also just spiritual beings trying to figure it out. And mm-hmm. that spirit right. side of it doesn't mean that you need to be dogmatically religious, mm-hmm. but it does actually time and time again, I'm reminded mm-hmm. that we all need each other. And that's because there's a connection beyond what anything we can actually put into a book mm-hmm. or anything we can put into a pew. Mm-hmm. But we just need each other to really make it. Hey, Hope, I have the craziest I you had story for something you. About, okay, you happened? wanted to talk about I the dreamed I booked a flight for my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Was that Alaska, imagine? right? Yeah, well, I was going to say, it's probably a good place to take a break and then we'll cool. come back and you talk politics. So in my dream, I was trying to do something nice for her and I thought, I know, I'll give her the world. That seems a little expensive and stop, very stop, Aladdin stop. from it like the It is my 90s. dream. I'll give her the world with the gift of travel. I can show you the world. world. 
called. So listen, in my dream, Michael B. Jordan was an Alaska Airlines oh, flight okay. attendant. This dream just went up a whole notch. Yep. Can I jump in that dream? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You were in it, and everyone we know was in it. Um, it was amazing, as you can imagine. So he was giving me fruit and cheese plate, and Uh-oh. he told me I gave the cheese plate to my the cheese part to my neighbor because you know vegan, but the fruit yeah. was divine. I so I, I told he told me, did you, did you know you can share your Alaska miles? Did you know that? Michael B. Jordan told me this in my dream. It's $10 to share $10,000. Oh, that's not bad at all. That means that after saving up your miles, you could give your mom a round-trip ticket for less than $40 out of pocket. So that's like a really unknown secret, I think, and pretty yeah. amazing. How'd the dream actually end? Well, I woke up before it got really good. Oh, man. Burn. But Alaska saved the day. I woke up and I shared my miles. That's really smart. I'm so glad it worked out. Hey, to book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. We, we fly Alaska. Alaska. And we're back. All right. So hope you – I don't know if I sent it to you or you sent it to me, but the Christianity Today article – there were two – actually, several articles, but the first one that you – Oh, yes. Well, actually, yeah. uh, one of the things that provoked my conversation with Dana to begin with was you had posted, Dana, an article about the inevitable death of evangelical Christians, yeah. which that title is pretty provocative. And I was like, what? And then I read it, and I was like, oh, yes. Like, <laughs> my favorite line from that piece was, just imagine the joy of meeting people who love Jesus and yet have no interest in arguing about theology, approving they are right, and you are wrong, which hits exactly what you were saying earlier. Yep. Is that why you posted that article? Uh, well, I mean, so, again, I, I post a – well, I post a lot of things. But um, that article in particular really did speak to me in a way that I, I am still spiritual and I am still, um, again, culturally religious. Mm. And I think that the way that we view religion currently does need to – Evolve, And sometimes mm-hmm. for evolution, some things do have to die out. And I think mm-hmm. that the way that we've created this evangelical fervor mm-hmm. around the you must do it this way or you can't play, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can't, yeah. you can't participate. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that article in general stirred something within me that I was like, wait mm-hmm. a minute. Wow. You know, could we, could we let – the process of evolution happen? And could we say that there are good things about religion and the process of even evangelicalism, right? Mm-hmm. And yet also point out that as humanity, we have to recognize, understand, and move forward from that because mm-hmm. we're not meant to just stay stagnant in one religious piece, I don't think. I mean, yeah. if you look at the world as a whole, religions have changed and transitions, but the evangelical side of it for yeah. me, has just been super toxic. Yeah, and, and some evangelical that. churches that have really young congregations, like the average age is really young, that people age out of these kind of extreme evangelical church settings. Like I know some folks who were really into like the mega churches mm-hmm. and then, oh, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s were like, that's not really for me anymore. And so I think looking at, you know, the spiritual growth, but also how it it's it plays a part in different parts of your lives. Like I was an idiot when I was in my twenties. Like, and not to say that everybody fits into that, but like some people are a lot more, you know, were a lot smarter than I was and made better choices. But, but I don't know. Like you, you think about the way you grow and change over your lifetime, mm-hmm. and the the kind of um, your eyes are more open to like different political views or ideas. And um, 
I didn't mean to jump on your comment, but I was just thinking about like that's a piece of it, I think, is that um, these churches are kind of like flash in the pan churches and what are going to be the religious communities or spiritual communities that are enduring that are not just flash in the pan, that are not just it's here and it's gone or not just seed churches that dissolve because everyone ages out of them because they don't have that, um, like you said, the religious fervor. Um, Hope what you're going to say. Well, I think that. Yeah, I just think was saying, I think this is a tough part, like, because that piece, and then there's been a, you know, when Christianity Today came out, and the guy who basically was retiring, um, the op-ed condemning Trump, finally, um, I think part of the problem is, like, it's, on the one hand, right, it's, some people are feeling like it's a little bit too late. Um, on the other hand, I'm great, great people are speaking out a little bit, but I still, inside of me, is like, the political right that has conflated republicanism with evangelicalism with this certain form of, mm. I don't know, being an asshole and lack of empathy, <laughs> all the things that I've Unempathetic exclusionary, like... Uh, oh, yeah. yes. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe this is the pessimist side of me is like, I don't think that's going to change those people. And I, I think what you were talking about earlier, Dina, like not all religious communities are like that, not all evangelicals. Mm. And mm. I don't want to hashtag not all evangelicals. <laughs> <laughs> not all evangelicals. <laughs> but... I just, I don't know, I'm torn between, like, that idea of things needing to change and, but also, like, the loudest people um, on the right also are mixing in religion and government and just doing some really messed up things with it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think there's this piece of power that we forget about, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, religious institutions actually have a ton of power because right. they can they can mobilize people, right? There's like a way to mobilize you at a spiritual mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. that is so different than just like saying, oh yeah, I care about X, Y, or Z. But if you can like connect with somebody's spirit and say, man, these are things that are interesting. And, and the evangelical, so I was in a holy roller mm-hmm. church for a while in college mm-hmm. in my 20s. See mm-hmm. those 20s. Yeah. Pesky um, 20s. Pesky 20s. And it was like just towards the Y2K stuff. And I remember oh, yeah. the fear yeah. Oh, yeah. that was preached yeah. to us. Yeah. And the I fire also, and brimstone. Fire, brimstone, yeah. everything was going to end. And I also remember the minister selling um, uh, big uh, barrels to collect mm. water. Oh, yeah. And shame bell. Shame bell. Oh, Where's yeah. the shame, shame bell right now? There you go. <laughs> Thank shame. you. Thank you. For shame. <laughs> so big church made yeah. big money off of big fear, right? right? We were told to be fearful of the next step. And I think that's what the evangelical kind of that, – that subset of the evangelical process yeah. really feeds on fear. Yeah. And right now right. that's also what they're feeding on is the fear. Yeah. yeah. The fear of, my goodness, our – our entire structure of politics mm. is changing, right? Yeah. We're moving from having the church and God be the basis of our political structure to now being more aware that God as the construct of the big white dude upstairs yeah. mm-hmm. isn't the only God that's actually maybe going to help save us as a society, right? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. I'm not looking I I guess maybe that's also where I, I kind of differ from religion is that I'm not looking for a savior complex. Right. I don't need a savior. I think that for me, the structure of religion is actually a space that should give us um, a safe space to help each other and give each other a hand up and out and through. Yeah. Um, I don't need one powerful person to tell us how to be 
Um, and I think back even, again, this intertwining of religion and um, politics, you know, during the, the 2016 process, I remember having this conversation with my mom, who, again, still is super religious. And she said to me, she said, well, you know, um, my, my pastor told me that uh, Hillary, she's, she doesn't believe in God. Mm. And I was like, well, um, d- d- has your pastor talked with Hillary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did he call her up? Like, did, did, he, did he have yeah. the hotline phone? Because, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't. I couldn't reach her. I, could, I tried. I tried. I <laughs> wrote letters. I called her. She didn't answer. She's, but, she's no Elizabeth Warren, okay? I mean, she'll yeah, just pick I mean, up the phone for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that religious right, I think part of their fear is, is that they're also losing control, right? Mm-hmm, right and so yeah. they took somebody like Trump. And they said, okay, here's a guy who clearly holds all of the religious values, right? Sure. Yeah, it checks all the boxes. I am going boxes. to print a handout and start just handing it to people all the boxes he doesn't print. Like, as somebody who's, yeah. like, spiritual Christian, I'm just like, no, unfaithful, a molester. I mean, just, like, list the things. Yeah. Unre- unre- a grifter. Greedy. Uh, like... If you could, like, what's, if he was the, if it was the temple, he would be every single bad person in that temple who Jesus is like, I'm not hanging out with you. Right. No way. Yes. Jesus would be flipping tables on his face. Like, flipping I don't him, understand. Flipping them over. <laughs> Why? Oh, my goodness. But again, uh, I think it's the fear side of it, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, it is. The religious yeah. right has said, okay, well, here's a guy that that we can actually think is going to stand up for our religious freedom, mm. which that was something that my mom had also said to me. She's like, well, if Hillary gets in there, she's going to take away my religious freedom. And I'm sure. like, what? Because she, she can change the Constitution. And, <laughs> right. like, I don't know, 200 years of um, Supreme Court decisions about religion. Yeah, she can do that. Yeah. Well, but, but let's also talk about that on the flip side. Because yeah. actually, right. yeah. that is happening now. And, and <laughs> but in a also, way. like— um, you can't forget that, like, Donald Trump has greatly abused executive power. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Think yeah. about, like, you know, if there was anyone who was, you know, using their power to alter things massively, like, he's a fine example of that, right? For well, sure. that's just it. The right wouldn't yeah. put up with that if that was happening from somebody who was anything left of center. Yeah. It wouldn't be happening. Do you, um, so thinking about the role of religious communities and your own work in here in Tacoma, um, and here in Abu Dhabi, no, just kidding. Uh, just to film that. Uh, it was kind of a joke there. Uh, what do you think? I mean, what do you think the role is looking at 2020, looking at the elections coming up? Do you think um, other spiritual communities need to have a more active role in political realm of things and getting certain kinds of leaders um, elected? What do you think? Yeah, I, I would actually I, I know that it's a an interesting space, right, because they're not allowed to actually churches are not allowed to actually have a lot of, quote unquote, direct impact in um, in politics, right? There's this whole thing of separation of church and state. Yeah. So, it's a bad look, yeah. Yeah, which oddly enough, I think, you know, backfires for the more liberal side of things <laughs> um, because I do think that there are a lot of liberal Christians that would have these conversations and say, gosh, right. you know, we could host something in our church foyer mm-hmm. to talk about Realistically, where do we want to go? I mean, if we, again, dig deep into the core values of Christianity mm-hmm. and of even – let's even go for the evangelical side of things. It is caring for people. Mm-hmm. And if we started looking at that, we would look at mm-hmm. how could we change policies with religious institutions maybe holding mm-hmm. conversations about 
taking care of the homeless population, yeah. about mm-hmm. taking care of the marginalized communities that we know, whether whatever religious dogma they follow, mm. but protecting people who are vulnerable. Yeah. Right. To me, those are the things that I go back to. Yeah. I, I don't know that the churches right now can really do much, but I encourage everybody who sits in the pew mm-hmm. to have a conversation outside of that building about what are the actual pieces of that puzzle that are being talked about Mm. uh, on the surface, but actually create the context of why are we just talking about, you know, Christ going out and and feeding people, right? I mean, Mm. why why did he do those things? Well, he did those things because that is what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. And I think— the religious right, there's going to be a subset of those folks that no matter how many times we say go back to the Bible and read what is actually written, they're always going to put what they believe is written, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The spin. Um, the, spin. <laughs> the spin, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I can point. tell you, I get into debates all the time with people who are like, oh, yeah, no, I'm a really solid Christian. I go to church every Sunday. And I say, well, how many times have you read the Bible? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I— on quiz team, we oh, had to yeah. read the Bible. That was required <laughs> it reading was required. For, for Bible quizzing. Right. And I mean, there was literally— <laughs> I feel like I'm a bad Christian. My memory game is horrible. Oh, no. Oh, man. I, well, uh, you know, actually, I know a lot about the New Testament because it was in a Nazarene church, but I don't know very much. I don't know as much about the Old Testament except for the fire and brimstone that was in the right, Old Testament. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know about that. But, um, yeah, most of the other stuff, no. We didn't really look at that. So. Well, I mean, the Old Testament yeah. is just a lot of who begot who and all those other uh-huh. things. So yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. that's just what I remember from yeah. the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't I hope I don't know if I really answered that. But I think that there is no, a, a. I would. My hope for the future as we move forward into this next political realm of 2020 mm. is that congregation members actually have conversations that make them uncomfortable, mm. because I mm. think in that uncomfortable space is where all of us grow. Um, I yeah. encourage every religious institution to invite in other religious leaders to have very clear conversations about how do we shape our future of protecting our own religious yeah. choices, but also allowing that protection to feed into everyone's religious choice mm-hmm. while still holding the community to what I think are the core values of, as Hope, you said, the connections between all of the the Old Testament, the New Testament, and all of the actual religions, once you take everything apart, mm-hmm. is yeah. all about valuing each other yeah. and loving and caring for each other. And how can we, mm-hmm. as all religious individuals or spiritual individuals, continue to focus on that? Because I think when we focus on that— the political stuff kind of falls out. Um, mm. Politics is power, right? Religion is power. Yeah. But the real power comes from us breaking down those idealistic powers and actually realizing that as a community, when we come together, we are powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's really good. I think that's kind of the perfect place to wrap up that part of the conversation. Absolutely. Do you want to do a little champagne and real pain? Absolutely. Champagne and real pain. <laughs> Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. 
So, so we're going to lift some glasses. Mm-hmm. Anna, you got some glasses there I to do, lift? yeah. One glass I'd like to lift is um, to just all the open and affirming churches. Uh, they're in Auburn. There is a uh, Methodist church in Auburn that is an open and affirming church. And they put up their sign with a rainbow flag after the UMC schism. And if you guys don't know about the split in the United Methodist Church, it is very interesting, very controversial. Uh, I recommend you go check it out, read up on it. But they, after that happened, they they took a stand and they said, no, we are one of the churches that is open and affirming. And that was the same for, true for a lot of, um, there's Fairwood United Methodist Church in Renton. Um, a lot of churches in our area are siding with the part of the church that is wanting to be open and affirming for LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Folks, so that was a really that was really really cool. So that's my champagne. Hope do you have anything? Yeah, my champagne would be. I always talk about Urban Grace. Um, mm-hmm. I've yep. yeah, I just think it's a really fantastic space and place to go, um, and just learn um, about how to practice your faith and how do you how do you think about social justice. To me, it's a social justice minded Christian um, church, and so mm-hmm. it's a it's a good place to challenge that side of things if you if you need to be challenged there. All right. Do you have any uh, any champagne? Champagne. Dana? Oh, d- I drank too much already this morning. <laughs> oh no! Mimosas. Wait, wait. Mimosas. Happy Saturday. Um, All right, pain. Yeah. Oh no, you got one. Well, I I think I already mentioned mine, so yeah. I feel good about that. You know, Excellent. definitely moving forward. Yeah. All right. Well, about real pain. Hope do you have any real pain today? Man, I just am mad about. <laughs> I'm just mad. I just think so. I was reading about how um, after the Christianity Today, like you know, there's various people that came out with like, he heard me wrong, he's wrong. But one of the things that really annoyed me is there's an article um, called "200 Evangelicals Push Back," and just the notion that people are out there and, and they look at the left and they just religious. There's religious folks on the right who look at the left and and the left becomes like a dirty word. And I just think that's so stupid. Um, and I think it's hilarious and also shame and pain on just Trump for tweeting about, like, basically he was like, ooh, Christianity Today is like a tool of the left. And it's just like so preposterous and mm-hmm. like such a flat out lie, considering the history of that organization, that yeah. magazine, which I've often disagreed with. But it's but still, like, I understand the role of that magazine in evangelicalism. Yeah. And just Trump trying to create this other narrative. Get out of here, cre- bro. Create the illusion that it's some kind of liberal rag. You're like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not like, I mean, I'm trying to think of... It's not like the um, Northern Sun catalog. It's not like the like. What is he? What is he trying to get at? Really, nobody is laughing well, at the Northern Sun catalog joke. It's full of hippie stuff and bumper stickers that are like hindsight twenty twenty. Oh, I miss the joke. Sorry. Oh man, you should check it out. Get some good new bumper stickers. Well, uh, my real pain is. Um, People compare. <laughs> At first, I thought it was a joke, but then it wasn't, and it was just really painful. Um, <laughs> um, people comparing Donald Trump to Jesus, and like yeah. everyone persecuting him to like Pontius Pilate. And I'm just like, can't. It's just too much. Um, that was. That's just. That's not. That's not good. Um, and then read also, a book and the Bible or something. Just read a historical <laughs> yeah, book. Yeah, come read on Bible. Now. It's like not even a good comparison. Just not a. <laughs> that's not a parallel. Um, and then also um, this one kind of just popped up in the news recently um just churches like abusing their their like i don't know being abusive so like the the biggest example as much as i love a good tater tot casserole the mormon church at its highest level is really corrupt and they have like a hundred billion dollars socked away and just for like a contingency fund or something but they just are they should not be tax exempt period Mm. like they're a for-profit organization they shouldn't be tax exempt and so that scandal was very like 
I don't know. All the Mormon folks I know are really nice people and, like, would not and have said, like, this is not okay, right? Our church should be using this for, you know, helping communities or, like, for, um, for like, work that's actually good for people and not, you know, hoarding it. Um, and so, I don't know. Yeah, any, anyway, that was just an interesting scandal that came up recently. Any real pain today? Um, I'm going to bring it back to some things that are happening literally down the street. Uh, my yeah. real pain right now is that we just did a sweep of one of our parks mm-hmm. to yeah. um, remove homeless individuals from that park. And my pain is is that we literally have buildings Mm-hmm. That have been built mm-hmm. by religious institutions mm-hmm. that could possibly mm-hmm. house some of these individuals. Now, I'm not saying that that's the overall solution. Yeah. Um, but my pain is is that we have a calling. Yeah. To help people, and yeah. um, it's getting really cold here. Yeah. And uh, yeah. this next week, it's supposed to snow, and now we've displaced people without having a plan, yeah. and we have religious institutions that mm-hmm. have money like you just yep. mentioned oh yeah and space and the pain is is that we have lost our purpose mm-hmm. yeah and i think yeah. you know champagne chaser there are churches that are doing really great things in other <laughs> communities you're welcome for that uh, the methodist church united <laughs> methodist church open and affirming church in bellingham um has their entire basement which is the entire square footage of their very large church is dedicated to it's a homeless shelter it's a sp- space for homeless folks to be able to wash their clothes using washers and dryers Fantastic. it's like the coolest resource ever and it's going to get down to 15 degrees in bellingham next week that's the high it's going to be below zero with wind chill and they're going to open their doors to people and like hey churches who don't do that there's mm-hmm. an example go check it out they're really cool like just <laughs> just do it like yeah so that's my champagne chaser <laughs> That's a great chaser. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. I guess my homework um, for folks is just really reconsidering, like as Dana was mentioning, just the notion of what religion looks like in your life and spirituality and faith. And I know a number of our listeners um, have been turned off with the institution of religion in the past, but just just the challenge for everybody is like to think about what does that really mean in our lives? How can we get connected with other people? Um, whether or not we want to label it as something spiritual or not mm-hmm. um so just challenging what our notions are with that and how do we how do we get along with folks um that maybe are different than us or that seem like they're outsiders from us but we actually have a lot in common so building that community absolutely uh, mine is for our educators we have a lot of educators who listen to our show um flex your compassion and empathy with your students from different faiths and religious practices um we had um recently an episode about um you know the schools around the holidays and kind of the you know keeping religion out of the classroom because it's not an appropriate place for it in public schools but also honoring and respecting religious diversity in our schools and affirming kids beliefs and supporting them and caring about them so uh, that's something that i just want folks to keep in mind when you you know you have your own beliefs set of beliefs to be to use your the compassion and love that you have for your students and extend that to their you know kind of their spiritual practices and um be compassionate hmm. mm-hmm. any homework Dana, do you have homework uh i would say in the next two weeks challenge yourself to go to a different religious institution than what you were brought mm-hmm. up in I think nice. that's a pretty simple that's one to do. We actually have some synagogues and we have uh, other uh, Muslim spaces of worship here in the mm-hmm. Tacoma area. It doesn't take much to actually just walk out your door and walk into theirs. So mm-hmm. their doors are open. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Can I actually, I forgot to mention, um, Dana has this quote on her Facebook page. Sorry, Dana, I just stole it from your page. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's from Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, and it just Mm -hmm. says, For though my faith is not yours, and your faith is not mine, if we are each each free to light our own flame, together we can banish some of the darkness of the world. And I just love that sentiment. I think it really captures the conversation today. Awesome. Yep. Excellent. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank if people so want to get a hold of you, how can they find you on social media or not in a non-creepy way on the internet? Uh, for me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty open on social media. So you can just uh, Google Dana, D-A-N-A, Coggin, C-O-G-G-O-N, and my Facebook page should pop up. I post a lot, so get ready. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. All right. I think we're ready to go. go. Welcome to the... Welcome. Oh, I thought I was doing it. (laughs) Sure, go ahead. Go, go. That's our blooper. The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.